Hey, I'm Nick, creator of Canna Cribs and Growers Network, where we have educated millions of people on how to elevate their craft. I have toured some of the largest grow operations, befriended the best growers, and built a network of the top cannabis companies. Join me on this next adventure where I document history with the pioneers shaping the global cannabis industry in real time. Welcome to the Canna Cribs Podcast. Welcome back to the Canicures Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Morin, and today's interview is with Jarrett Ritchie, a commercial consultant for Next Big Crop, which is part of General Cannabis. We go over everything from converting New York's largest apple orchard into CBD production, one of the country's largest potato producer into CBD production, the top trends Jarrett has found along his career from coast to coast, all the way to some of his horror stories and what he's learned from them. Enjoy. Before I dive into this interview today, let's give a shout out to Quest for making this episode possible and helping growers all over the world master any environment. They even have a book, and that's how you know a company's pretty smart. They have a book called Getting Grow Rooms Right, which includes everything you need to know when it comes to HVAC design, specification, selection, installation, and of course, the day-to-day operations. You can get that book on their website where they share expert tips, keys to success, and real-world examples for owners, executives, master growers, contractors, and engineers. You might be surprised to know that they actually span multiple industries. So it's not just a cannabis DHU company. They actually serve as breweries, data centers, and more. Powerful, efficient dehumidification made right here in our backyard in USA. I'll link more in the description below. And now we can start with the episode. Jarrett, welcome to the Candy Cribs podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, and we got connected through Cameron Bravman. Yes, special dude. So you and Cameron actually met um, through General Cannabis. Yeah, we probably worked on maybe three or four different projects together, um, opened up a couple different facilities. Um, so we traveled around the country um, doing a whole bunch of work together, long days, late nights, early mornings, all that good stuff. Yeah, so uh, for everyone listening that might not know, what is General Cannabis and what is uh, your current position today? Um, General Cannabis is sort of our parent company. Um, I work more for the next big crop side of it. Okay. Um, so it's a sort of consulting firm based out of Denver. Um, I would say my title right now, I wear a whole lot of hats, um, but I guess sort of just cultivation consultant. Um, so I go back and forth between sort of managing and running gardens, mm-hmm. training people how to sort of, when we open a facility, sort of train them how to run their facility to the optimal spot. Um, I also sell a whole bunch of gear to anybody else who needs, you know, lights, tables, greenhouses, whatever they need. We sort of take care of it. Yeah, right on. You're you're a one-stop shop. So <laughs> how did you end up in the industry? Did you, is that your first uh, kind of legal cannabis industry career or were you uh, working at some other places before that? Um, I've been with Next Big Crop for about four years now. Um, before that, a good four or five years I spent uh, working at Way to Grow, a big hydroponic shop yeah. in Denver. So pretty much there, uh, you, you know, you go everywhere from just stocking shelves and cleaning this to really working with all the reps and all the customers mm-hmm. and just pretty much process of deduction and solving every problem you can for people. Right on. So you're, sounds like you're traveling a lot. Do you have any time left in the day to have your own grow like back home? <laughs> um, I still have my personal, I guess it's a passion project, if you'll yeah. call it that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of popping seeds, chasing new genetics. Mm-hmm. Always sort of, uh, you know, every round's going to be different just out of like a little bit of R&D, whether it's irrigation schedules, new lights. Mm. Um, sort of just trying to stay current, trying to stay relevant. For sure. What, what's your current setup look like right now? Um, currently, I've got a couple of Fluence LEDs. I also have a couple of Gavita LEDs. Um, Rocking the side by side. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Sort of, in the name of science, like always chasing, you know, whatever's the best and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, I travel so much that I do have a Dosatron set up as well. Okay. Um, so everything's pretty much as automated as it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best I've ever done was touching plants five times their whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, from time of uh, cutting clones to harvesting, I only touched them five times. So that was really only three touches throughout the plant's life. Wow. Um, so in your current role at Next Big Crop, how many farms are you visiting a year, would you say? 
you know, certain months we probably have maybe six visits. Other months it's just, you know, to the one spot kind of thing. Wow. Um, so uh, some, a lot of the work we do for people is like a la carte. Okay. Um, really just depending where we meet them and their, you know, sort of their spot of, you know, some people will meet when they're entering the industry. They've never done anything in the cannabis space before. Shout out um, Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Our, our partners slash clients here um, at this point as good of friends as you can be kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we've been, I've been in Oklahoma, I guess, five of the last six weeks working. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. You know, basically we cut down a big outdoor crop. So um, Canniculture Farms, you know, just going to stay busy and keep hustling there. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, you know, depending where we meet somebody, we'll write applications. We have an application writing team, um, so a bunch of technical writers, and they'll work with, like, the cultivation people like myself. We have a whole compliance section as well, so our compliance department's killer. I don't know what I would do without them because <laughs> it would be a whole lot more homework for myself. And it would take us away from working with plants, you know, that's why we're all here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have an engineering and design department as well. Um, they pretty much... I don't know, you know, they take the ideas that we have in our heads as growers um, and gardeners and, you know, they put the math and the science behind it and they make it real life for us. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, you and know. Five, five to six weeks, is that a typical timeline for you to uh, work with a, with a client? Everyone's different. Um, you know, some people, it's, you know, I used to certain places we'd fly to for two days of the week. You know, you'd walk through facilities, <laughs> you'd work with their growers, you'd like, you know, come home, you'd have to write up all your report, you know, pictures, descriptions, like basically have some type of like deliverable to give back to the client or the investors or the owners. Yeah. You know, this is our list of improvements that, you know, we made, you know, this is our list of improvements to work on for next week. You know, we made these accomplishments like check more, check more, check more for what we came from two weeks ago. So it's more just like a progress report um, or almost just hope. Like help people accountable for their work. Um, Yeah, Just try to stay on schedule. And sometimes, you know, uh, it doesn't mean necessarily that a grow operation is doing bad in order to hire you as a consultant. Sometimes they're just too busy. Sometimes they're trying to handle the growth. Like, as of right now, we are recording this interview the day after Proposition 207 just got passed in Arizona, and a lot of other states went wreck. Yeah. Uh, So some of them are just blowing up so fast, they need that extra set of hands. That's um, 100% right. Like, there's a big project in Los Angeles we're working with right now. You know, they have 700 lights <laughs> themselves. They are completely capable of everything they're doing. Yeah. Um, but they don't have time to, to take on, like, the design and the construction aspect of their expansion. You know, so they're going to convert one or two, of, like, really two of the rooms, um, you know, from double end to Gavita, your traditional just, you know, 1,000-watt fixture. Um, we're putting in double-tiered racking systems. You know, so it'll be two levels of LEDs. So we did nice. all the engineering and design behind it, you know, sort of help them source the right racks, pick out mm-hmm. lights with them. I'm um, going to work on sort of custom irrigation, fertigation setups to now handle all that. Um, and basically, so we're doing all the prep work now with them and all their team mm-hmm. so that they don't have to shut their facility down at all, except for two weeks while we should basically pull the old out and put the new stuff in. Right. So and then their team is left with a turnkey room or several rooms that... They're already accustomed to managing. Is there? I'm sure there might be some additional consulting on top of that. That maybe um, some training or more so maybe just how to you know how the new toys fit in with their old facility. You know, not that's old, a good but, way to put it. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Basically, they know. You know, they know they're sort of they've been in this facility for years, so they're mm-hmm. like very well respected. They know what they're doing, um, mm-hmm. but you only have so many people on staff, so you can't pull all your people away to go take on this new project and let everything else in the 700 light facility stall. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you know, we get to be like that sort of temporary rental help, you know, kind of thing. So they don't skip a beat over there. Right. And, uh, you know, basically we have two weeks to tear a room out and fill it back up. They'll have all the plants ready and then we'll go right back in um, and hopefully not skip a beat. You know, the only thing we'll probably work with them is a little bit on uh, they're like building management system to make sure that all their environment stays the same, their controls stay the same. Okay. Um, that kind of thing. Would that be like upgrading their entire facility to like a Priva or something like that? Yeah, to be honest, these guys, are, um, they've got some fancy setups already, but they're really digging Trollmaster right now. So we're oh, just going to yeah. kind of, you know, who, uh, <laughs> Trollmaster works, dude. For sure. Um, you know, sort of for dollar for what you get, it's a killer setup. Um, so basically, we're just going to kind of take all the new stuff, you know, a bunch of new Quest DHUs, a bunch of new LEDs, um, tie everything back into Trollmaster since their people are already familiar and they already like them. Um, 
Yeah, so really try to change as little as possible to get the greatest effect, like as optimal as an effect as we can get. Yeah, and and speaking of Quest, um, going out and filming Cannon Cribs and Deep Roots, I mean, it's like every facility we go to, Quest is, <laughs> it's everywhere. Dude, every, I've had one running for like 10 years straight, <laughs> you know, kind of it's thing. It's ridiculous. Um, they're they, doing they something right. Work. They're doing a lot right. <laughs> yeah, they just work. Yeah. Um, their it, people are also are super helpful. Um, sometimes when we help spec stuff out for clients, you know, we'll get on the phone with some of the Quest people. You know, their list of questions are very similar to our list of questions. You know, what mm-hmm. size, you know, what's the rooms, like not even just square footage, what's our cubic space? Sort of how much water is going in a day? What size medium? How many plants per light? You know, we really go through a checklist yeah. um, to try to paint this picture as clear as we can um, so that when we come to spec in this, you know, you're taking every aspect into consideration. Um, it's because, you, you know, uh, it's too costly to make mistakes when it comes to just spec and gear. For sure. So tell me about this project you have going on right now, and maybe a, a day in the life. Like you've been out <laughs> about you've been out in Oklahoma for five six weeks now. Like what what has been this you know kind of up and down of this project for you? Um, so a day in the life. I would dare somebody walk in my shoes for a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those of uh, I don't really know what a normal day is. You know we get on airplanes all the time, um, but in in Oklahoma here. Um, the farm's called Canaculture Farms. Um, it sort of just started out as a client. We were designing them a greenhouse. Um, they're just a great group of people. We've kind of just become really good friends with them, and now we're <laughs> sort of going to try to figure out sort of a partnership um, mm-hmm. so we can help them for the next you know, five, ten years kind of thing, run with it. Um, so we basically, our greenhouse wasn't going to be ready in, in time, essentially, for our schedule, what we wanted to do. Um, they don't have plant count rules here. So we went and filled up, <laughs> yeah, so we basically popped 1,200 seeds, filled up three acres of outdoor, built, you know, buried all of our irrigation, dosatrons again, just because they always work, <laughs> you know, put a couple dosatrons out in the field, 10 horsepower pump, um, and you let it rip. So uh, the last five weeks or so have been uh, pretty grueling harvest, but it's awesome, you know, that's why we do this. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, so cutting down. You know, sort of turning barns into drying facilities, hiring a staff to help us harvest. Um, so we're now finally, like today I left my team. They're still running around Oklahoma, Oklahoma City trying to go sell all this product. Um, so, you know, kind of, there's no normal day. So that's the only full thing. <laughs> seed to sale that you help them with. Oh, yeah. You know, basically also. That's incredible. Also, We'll do like sort of a, also help people try to create brands for themselves. Um, we do it for ourselves in our facility in Boulder. Um, you sort of just recognize, you know, you know, you want everybody to be proud to smoke your product, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to create a brand around that and sort of, you know, we have our sort of philosophy or our values at Next Big Crop and general cannabis that we push, um, you know, but sort of authenticity, you know, like I would be doing this no matter what this, you know, kind of, the, I don't know, you know, I have a teaching degree. Um, I've done a couple other things in my time. Um, I couldn't imagine doing anything else at this point. Yeah. Well, you're, you're truly living, um, your purpose and your passion in life. So it doesn't feel like work, right? (laughs) Yeah. We still count hours though. (laughs) 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 You know, normal, normal weeks, probably pushing 70 hours kind of thing. I believe it. What's the best part about your job that makes all those hours worth it? Great question. Um, in all honesty, it's probably a little corny answer, but sort of, I feel like the team that I've, got around me you know whether it's the mm. next big crop people um and sort of like how confident i am in our team at getting stuff done as well as just like the network from you know the boys in la um got a crew in michigan that's like you know killer themselves um you know we got some friends down in texas some friends in montana boston so pretty much you know like i mean just all over colorado as well but you know pretty much you know at this point you've done work with these people for like a decade mm-hmm. um you know we've all trimmed for each other we've all helped harvest we've all traded lights you know um and it's been really fun to sort of watch everybody progress kind of thing um so there's kind of like no problem too big no anything you need you sort of throw the flag up and somebody on the team comes and helps yeah so that like network you know sort of yeah, the tribe, if you will, kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. the people, the people are right, and uh, I guess sort of just proud to be in that like circle, kind of thing. Yep. And the consulting side of of your role, you're just getting faster at solving these problems. You know, once yeah. you see it over and over again, 
you're able to jump in and, and help these teams, you know, turn around a crop or turn around an entire facility overnight. Yeah, you know, I guess like whether it's like the old days of way to grow, um, stand behind the counter there, um, and those, you know, that group of guys, um, you know, to now kind of, uh, I almost joke like, you know, I'm trying to put fires out three months down the road kind of mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> you know, who cares about now? There's only so much I can do, but like as far down the road. You can see around the corner. That's yeah. what you're getting brought in to help with. As far down the road as you can see, um, that's really the target. Like everything yeah. we're doing, you know, whether it's the plant's life, and you know, it's going to be somewhere in that 85 to 100 days, depending on what facility we're in from start to finish, um, you know, or even just facility maintenance as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love cars and motorcycles. You know, everybody on my team is probably tired of hearing this analogy, but you know, it's like <laughs> it's like building a race car. You know, so um, all the maintenance, filters, lights, lamps, whatever. Mm. You know, irrigation lines. Like all we're all I'm ever doing is sort of trying to solve that problem three months down the road before it even happens. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. And you're traveling a whole lot. I'm sure it's difficult to keep up with somewhat of a work life balance. What, what's, what's the <laughs> right? What, what's your greatest challenge um, in your uh, role today? Um, I feel like my old man said it since I was a kid. You know, he's like, you burn the candle on both ends, kind of mm-hmm. thing, too often. Um, but you know, just basically, just like you sort of mentioned, finding that balance is hard. You know, um, whether you know, we live in Colorado, so ski season's about to start. You know, so you're like, <laughs> you know, it's like, how do I balance all you know those seventy hour work weeks with still getting enough days into the year? Mm. Um, you know, like love music. Obviously, there's no music going on right now. It's just uh, sort of situation out yeah. there. Um, so just basically finding that balance somewhere between. You know, that's the hardest part, just because it's easy to keep working. Like there's, you know, there's so much work to do that it's easier for me to work until seven or eight o'clock at night. Kind of thing, just because there's that, there's really that much to do. Yeah, and um, you have so, that passion as well that drives you. It's right? not it, the plant's fault, you know. Like I joke <laughs> about it, it's not the plant's fault. You know, that's one of those sort of mantras. You know, where you're like, when you get tired and you're like, oh, I don't want to finish this today. It's not the plant's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to just go keep pushing and finish that because if not, it's on. <laughs> yeah, as much as you put in, you get out. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. So uh, being lazy certainly is not part of gardening, especially not on our team. <laughs> you know, uh, you got to yeah. get up and go get after it. So. And I've noticed that work ethic um, in all the farms that we film. Like you do not get to that level uh, without having sacrifices, without having you know countless nights that you're working later in the farm than you expected. Um, just yep. like any business, I mean, putting that work ethic and, and that hustle. Even so much mentally, like you know, you go to bed thinking about your tomorrow projects. Um, you know, how am I going to be ready? Just like you said, as far down the road as we can be thinking and looking. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the challenges, I guess, sort of right now, too, sometimes, you know, you work with clients, um, you, you know, and again, like, just there's all kinds of stories. Every client's different. Sometimes that it's tough. You're like, why do I care about your project more than you do? Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of thing. So nobody cares about your garden as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just like these other guys, you know, the farms that you've come across you know blood sweat and tears you know again this is what they'd be doing it's their baby yeah. yeah this is this is it's more than a job or a career like this is a lifestyle this is your street cred you know this is kind of this is your word um so sort of uh, i feel pretty proud that i can walk into any room with head high and people are excited that i'm there mm-hmm. you know so at the same time there's a whole bunch of ethics i think that you know i you know you hope everybody else follows the same kind of code as you do yeah and that uh, that's a really good point with all these uh, new people, new perspectives, new businesses entering the industry. Uh, there is a code of ethics that I've noticed in the cannabis industry. I, I've been in, uh, I guess, 2016 since starting Growers Network that I have picked up on. Um, and if you can, it's such a small industry. If you can take care of your people and take care of your clients and your plants on the grow side, you're going to go very far. Um, and you mentioned authenticity. That is huge. Um, all the way down to, you know, how your brand's conveyed to the end consumer. Yeah, you know, that's one thing we push on. You know, the product we put out is something that I want to smoke. Um, <laughs> you know, that you would want other growers to reach for that jar and be like, yeah, I want that jar. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's a feather in the hat kind of thing. You know, if there's a bunch of jars sitting on the table, especially when you're sitting around a, bu- a room full of growers, um, they'll reach for your jar, you know, like, you know, you've done something right. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, just, I got a whole bunch of philosophical reasons why I do things this way, that way, whatever. Um, 
everybody's kind of got their own and there's no right way. Um, just in the end, you, you got to be able to stand tall and be proud of your work. So. Before this interview, I jumped on the phone with my friend Keith over at Quest and we talked about dehumidification philosophies. The first one is more of a traditional philosophy where you have your decoupled solution. That's your standalone AC, standalone dehumidifier. It's the least expensive to control a room. However, those two units work against each other and it can actually be more energy intensive. And that is in comparison with the second philosophy, which is more of a modern build. Keith has seen a ton of these being built out on the East Coast right now. It's more of a complete control, and that's where the Quest IQ system comes in. It's a total environmental control system by Quest with precise temperature and humidity control all in one system. However, as you know, there's not just one right way or right decision to control your environment. So jump on the phone with Quest. They can walk you through all the different options and help you decide. And by the way, pro tip, there are a lot of states giving energy rebates as well. So depending on which Quest unit you go with, whether it's the standalone traditional way or the overall IQ system, which is more of the modern build way, you're going to have some state rebates that you can tap into. I'll include a video below that we recorded as well to talk a little bit more about those rebates. All this equipment sold at growershouse.com. Check it out. And I'm curious, so I've heard about, you know, kind of your day-to-day -day and, you know, some of the, the ups and downs of your career in this position. Um, who are the, the types of clients that are hiring you most often? Um, we really don't have a single type. Um, it, it really is just sort of depending on their experience in the industry um, to also when we meet them and what they're trying to do. Um, mm -hmm. We've written applications for people. Um, you know, in a whole bunch of competitive different markets, you know, especially new markets come on um, here in Oklahoma. Uh, anybody could pretty much, you know, with residency, hop online and make a, you know, do an application and get a license for themselves, whether it's for a dispensary or a cultivation spot. Um, we've won really competitive markets. Virginia, uh, there is one of six licenses. We won one. Um, Pennsylvania, I think it was one of 23 and we won wow. one. Maryland was one of 13 and we won one. Um, that group now is as big and bad a group as <laughs> there is in the industry kind of thing. What are they called <clears throat> or what's their name? Uh, it's Greenleaf Medical. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're a big deal. They're, yeah, For those sure. guys are getting after it right now, so it's really awesome to sort of have been a part of that and help them yeah. open, you know, just a, a whole bunch of long days, and now their team is just killing it. So and are they that's... mostly investor types, Jared? Are they kind of bringing the capital, or does it start with a grower that goes out and find the capital? Um, that Both? group, you know, they had a passion for this you know, their whole lives too. So even yeah. though they didn't have like a cultivation background, they, you know, they lived for it before. So nice. Um, they took their basically anybody who's going to be good in this industry was good at something else first. Mm -hmm. um, they took their network, they raised a bunch of money, they put together a killer team, um, mm -hmm. and now they're on top. Yeah, you know, that kind wow. of thing. So they're killing um, so, it on the East Coast right now? Yep. Um, you know, we have a group uh, here in Oklahoma that we're working with, you know, the same sort of thing. They put together, it's more of a family thing too. Mm -hmm. um, so they put together their family, their team, got everything together. Um, so we basically designed their facility. We ran this outdoor crop with them. We're gonna partner with them for the future. Um, you know, we have other friends, just industry friends kind of thing that run in different spots, California, Michigan, Boston. Um, you know, Montana's got a whole bunch of guys that we're working with as well. They're really talented. Um, so these guys basically, they've run their own facilities and they just might need help. Um, like we were talking about before a little bit, that group in LA, um, they just need us to come solve one problem for them so they don't mm -hmm. slow down. So it really is certain people show up with a whole bunch of money and they want to learn. Um, other people use us to help them create a financial model and a business plan because um, this is their passion and dream. And then they use that sort of plan and philosophy that we put together for them to go raise money. Mm. Um, really, there's no one person, there's no one contract we sign. Right. It really is like uh, one of those where, ha, sorry about that. It really is one of those where we, uh, what somebody needs, we figure out how to solve those problems with them. So would you say that you're consulting mostly new businesses coming in for the first time compared to facilities that might have a problem for you to come in and, and help solve? I'd say the, the long-term relationships we have are with people that are new to the industry. Um, we'll do lots of shorter stints with people, you know, like a two-month, maybe a three-month sort of thing, 
um, that's more like a project-based who are, have been in it for a while and just needs some help. Um, but the, the long relationships that we have with people that last a couple years, you know, two, three, five years kind of thing, mm-hmm. most of those are people who are just entering the industry. Um, and it's almost like they're paying for an education kind yeah. of thing. So we're going to sort of hold hands and we're going to walk through all the steps, you know, depending on what it is that they're chasing after. Yeah. And get them across the finish line as fast as we can. Yeah. So comparatively, let's look at a first time grower, you know, a group. Uh, that hires you compared to maybe uh, an advanced grower that needs some help solving an individual problem. What, like, how do the challenges vary? You know, what are the challenges that you mostly see with the the beginners, and what are the challenges you see with more of the advanced growers? Um, we'll start with the first, I guess, the beginners kind of thing. Um, one of the biggest things it's it's a hard way to start sometimes discussion sometimes, but like, do you really have the funding for this? You know, like that's. Mm. You know, like this is not something you get to do as like a part-time job. Um, whether it's for your like, whether it's like the passion side of it or it's the actual financial side of it, um, like it really takes your full attention. Um, yeah. If you want to compete with people who like have done this for years and love this, you know, for uh, you know, it's been their life for decades. You don't get to just do it as part-time and think you're gonna keep up. Um, so it's kind of like, are you willing to commit? kind of like dive all in with us because if not it's probably not a good fit because that's how we <laughs> we work um you know so part of its funding do you have enough money do you have the time like you know mm-hmm. this isn't something you're going to do after work um you know you need to dedicate you know days with us because we'll have homework assignments for them you know whether it's like um figuring out how this is going to affect the community who's in charge of this and you know whatever local municipality wow. stuff you know, like, how is this going to affect the community? How is this going, you know, who's picking up the trash? Like, things that you would never think of that are totally, like, part of this process. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so sort of funding and time is one of the hard hard things to get across in the beginning, um, you know, to some of these people. Um, And then along the way, some of the other obstacles are, you know, everybody is, like, hurry up and wait. (laughs) Everybody wants to go, 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 go. there is a reason we do stuff in certain order. And again, there's multiple ways to do it. There's not just one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, that idea of crawl, walk, run, you know, we got to figure out, you know, sort of get our foundation, our plan, who's in, you know, who's accountable for this, 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 and this. Um, chase down those things. Once everything's there, now we're on like phase two and we get to really start chasing in a different way. Um, I know everybody wants to, you know, everybody wants to be cutting down that first crop as of fast course. as possible. You know, it's, it's what all the hard work's for. It's when you finally get paid, you know, um, that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but really just sort of keeping people in between the lines. Let's stay focused on what, like, you know, eye on the prize. Like, what are we really achieving today? What is our goal today? What is our objective today? Have we checked off last week's goals and objectives before we're getting ahead of ourselves? Um, so that idea is sort of just, uh, you know, following the plan um, is sometimes hard to, there's all kinds of shiny and fun stuff to go chase after. Um, even even we get excited about new new products, new ideas, genetics, whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff here. So really, the hardest part is probably stay on schedule, stick mm-hmm. to the plan, execute. You know, like you can't 98% finish something, finish it. That's right. Um, you know, and then I guess you know, people that have done this for a while, uh, probably the hardest part sometimes, like uh, uh, as they cross over to the legal market, you know, just because you've done one something one way for so many years um, in your garages, basements, fields, on the sides of mountains, whatever, and you might be really good at it. Now you got to shake the sheriff's hand. Um, you got to walk the fire inspector. You know, one time I think I had 119 firefighters walk my facility in one week. You wow. know, so, um, you know, like that's hours of giving tours and they use that facility. Um, our SOPs were so t- put together. You know, our actual practice matched our SOPs, um, so they used us as a training facility for all of the other fire inspectors and fire marshals and everybody in town. That um, is a steward of the community right there. An yeah. excellent example of what people should strive for, you know, with these states going to, to medical for the first time or medical to, you know, adult use and recreational, um, we should all strive to be examples. Um, that's such a good story. It's really, you know, it's, it's one of those, you can imagine, uh, you know, the dude that should be in a calendar to the old man with a big mustache and a ball, like, you know, kind of every kind of firefighter you'd imagine, they all walked through, they had all their jokes. Yeah. In the end, half of them wanted a job, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you're like, oh, you're probably not tough enough to work for us, but whatever, you know, so you give them a hard <laughs> time right back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, you know, I don't you know, joke about it. You got, 
you know, you have business cards now, you shake the sheriff's hand, you walk them on tours, you know, so that's where you play. So for some people, they might be as talented of a grower as there is out there. Sometimes sort of fitting in now in this scene is tough for certain people to adjust to. And there's been um, just so many years of making it tough. Yeah. and building that thick skin that yeah people that's, get that's callous hard. for sure yeah that's hard to break out of overnight um and the jokes are still there they're still cutting right like you know yeah. it's it's fun in games now and it's legal and um i i still think like there's going to be a long time to kind of break that uh cultural barrier that's been there i feel really lucky um i think i sort of yeah, I moved to Colorado about four, to January be 14 years ago. Um, I showed up sort of just in time to sort of catch some of like the pioneer growers and cultivators and some of the guys that hid. And, you know, that's who have taught me. Yeah. You know, that's who I got my education from, as well as then switching to go work in the hydro stores and work with all those guys um, to then sort of walk into this legal scene. Um, so I feel like just very lucky to sort of show up like, the window when I did um, right. I was able to sort of straddle that fence and sort of see both sides of it um, and I think that's like one of the things I guess you know sort of proud things where you're like alright um, I fit in with both sides mm-hmm. um, I sort of speak both languages I could talk to the investor in a shirt and tie mm-hmm. um, I could talk to the grower that's been hiding on the hill and hiding in the basement for years mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's one of the things that I guess has sort of made me successful um, is you sort of have respect from both sides and you can speak both of those languages. And I think that that's just truly like, you know, the guys that are going to be really good at this point and really, you know, make money and make brands for themselves. Um, you got to be able to sort of... Transcend those boundaries. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And I've been hearing that a lot recently on the podcast of whether I'm interviewing someone from that former group or the latter group, uh, figuring out ways to speak the same language is really important. Uh, making peace, learning to grow the community and the industry and the yeah. plant together. You know, it's like, you know, it's the bigger facility you get in, the less time you actually ever get to touch plants and you're the dude with the clipboard kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, so... Uh, the yeah, SOP check. <laughs> yeah, basically, you know, just everybody, wants to be, everybody wants to go play with plants, of course. Um, you know, the, the more that you can sort of train your staff, train your people to be extension of your own arms, essentially, and, you know, wear your same glasses that you wear to see things that way and sort of speak your language, your vocabulary, um, you know, the faster you're doing, you're hitting your goals that you're mm-hmm. really chasing after. So I heard in my research for this interview that Next Big Crop is diversifying into processing facilities. Is that right? Um, yeah, we have a handful of clients with, with labs or processing facilities. Um, you know, we did, uh, I guess maybe the last one we designed was last summer. Uh, it was actually for a hemp facility in oh, upstate cool. New York. Um, really? So these guys had the largest apple orchard in New York State. Um, and they, and they flipped ciders. it to hemp? or Not yet. They're in the process. Um, they already make uh, ciders, beers, like, you know, they're sort of distillers, essentially. Uh-huh. So they make, you know, more apple cider than, I guess, anybody else on the I East Coast. I love kind of apple thing. cider. <laughs> um, so they they want to have, you know, they already have their own bottling facility. They already understand the, me- you know, the mechanics of yeah, operating something industrial that's going to put out this product, like, you know, same one every time mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so they wanted to start making their own beverages. Um, CBD wow. beverages kind of thing so we designed a extraction facility for them um, so they're you know they're off and going so that's really exciting CBD um, cider I like it, it rolls yeah. off the tongue um, so that you know there's a couple of different labs in Colorado we worked on one in Vegas as well um, you know so like that's it's one of those for as much weed as I've ever grown um, some of the extraction side of it is truly it's another language you know, yep. those those guys are artists themselves in their own way mm-hmm. um, so I just try to give them the best product that I can yeah um, and let them do their thing and um, you guys run the gamut of the same services you'll help with licensing you'll help with absolutely. the initial build out going and helping our, solve problems our designers our engineers are like so talented um, <laughs> 
I guess I just love that they're my team because I get to standing on the shoulders of giants, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get to go play in traffic essentially and yeah. go find cool projects to work on, and then we come back to them, you know, and they're engineers, so they speak engineer language, if you will. Um, so then I sort of end up standing in, in between like them and whoever they're trying to design something for, and we translate back and forth together. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. these guys just everything's like whether it's. Um, extraction lab or cultivation or whatever it's just like very like user focused like ergonomic designs that make things happen fast how few times can we touch something how clean can mm. we keep it you know like that kind of you know everything's designed you know just it's just as process focused as you can be mm-hmm. so going back to that cider operation do you see that as a trend you know companies that might have similar critical infrastructure, processes, teams, distribution networks in place. Do you see that as a trend across the country of those companies totally. transitioning? Yeah, We get approached by companies all the time from totally like all walks of life, you know, certain printer companies, like typewriter companies, like Whoa. whatever, you know. Like typewriter companies, those <laughs> still exist? <laughs> basically, yeah, now it's all servers and computers and yeah. stuff like that. But basically, you know, it started out as a typewriter company. For sure. Um, and they have something that they think they can relate to the cannabis space. Yeah, so they come to us like, well, do you want to help us with this design? Do you have any clients that we could put this in their facility? Mm. You know, how do we test this? Uh, you know, so basically they need sort of, whether it's our design team or marketing team or compliance team, cultivation side of stuff, just what, you know, whatever sort of as subject matter expert on our team, they need their help. Um, we have people from every industry you, you can imagine truly like knocking on our door daily um, asking how they can fit in. Yeah. And what other trends do you see on the cultivation side? Like you are literally going coast to coast, hitting all the emerging markets. Are there any trends, let's just say indoor to indoor, um, that you've seen? I mean, indoor greenhouse, it really doesn't matter. I think that the okay. Biggest bullet thing, you know, biggest bullet point on everybody's list is automation and mm. collecting data and sort of how we analyze that data to sort of keep us between the lines and make the best decisions. Automation tools, hit me with your top lineup. Like, what is your go to? If someone said, blank check, I want the best of the best, what do you bring into them? I mean, I guess just there's other good ones out there. The one I've worked with the most, um, you know. Argus, you know, you put an Argus in a building. It's the same as a Priva, Wadsworth. Yeah, yeah there's a bunch. Um, I guess we're real tight with Argus. Um, our engineers and Argus engineers, you know, they fill each other's forms out at this point. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, from my cell phone, from my iPad, from my laptop, whatever, I could change a recipe to a single table in a certain room from Whoa. anywhere in the country. Um, you know, I have sensors. Anywhere in the world, or, probably. Yeah, anywhere in the you world. You could be traveling know. and doing that. Oh, yeah, we could talk about it a lot, <laughs> you know, um, but basically, you know, so you got sensors and blocks and pots that'll tell me my rhizospheres, everything going on down there. I know my moisture content, my EC, my temperature. I can watch all my sort of environmental settings in my room, mm-hmm. temperature, humidity, watch the swings, um, all that just right here on the screen um, with an Argus setup. I can change my recipes on the fly. I can go back and sort of take all that information, put it in Excel sheets, put it on charts or graphs kind of things to show other people. So with the ability to collect that data and, um, you know, the next hard part is like, okay, what do we do with it? Right. <laughs> um, it's a whole lot of numbers and, um, you know, you have to sort of, I guess, be able to speak that language mm-hmm. to interpret it a certain way. Um, but basically, you know, from there, you could steer any plant in any direction you want from anywhere in the world. To, to what end, Jarrett? Where, where do you go from there? I mean, let's say that you just constantly, constantly improve the plant um, and continue to, you know, increase yields. Does it ever stop? Do you ever reach a plateau? Let's say five years from now, you have mastered the art <laughs> of automation of indoor rooms. What next? I'm sure there's some new product out that I'll put you in a spin and you're like all right i gotta figure <laughs> yeah, this start, one out now start too. Over. <laughs> throw everything out we're doing it again um kind of thing um but no i mean like truly i don't know i artificial intelligence I, <laughs> and machine learning algorithms no i mean that's already out there we've been approached by different companies where um they want us to basically you know different lighting manufacturers or i guess sort of security firms um mm. they'll have cameras and grows above the crops yeah um, especially too for some I've big outdoor stuff they'll fly drones and things like yeah. that um, where they say that they can tell how you know the moisture content of a plant by like what direction the leaf's pacing. Um, they could say they could you know call out powdery mildew or any kind of pest 
problems early because of this. So preventative health. Mm-hmm. So we've been approached to sort of be the monitoring people for some of these companies. Um, never ended up actually doing any of it yet. As a grower, I still question any of that. I'm like, yeah, your camera's going to tell me something, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm sure there'd be a way if you had them to figure out how to benefit from it. Um, well, there used yeah, to be so. humans that created, that wrote the program for Google search. Now we right. have AI creating AI, like creating yeah. search algorithms. Like there, there's got to be an advancement to a certain point where you walk into a grow room and we're looking fully automated. It, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Yeah. Um, it's one it's of trippy to of, think uh, about. It is. And I guess just like the artist side of me is like, do you, you know, want just, that? I don't want you know, I understand it from like, um, an owner standpoint. I understand yeah. it from a consistency, removing human error, right. you know, like that idea, you know, so like the, if this, um, camera and this sort of monitoring system is going to be able to remove human error. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, but you know, again, just even in like the progression of lights, the progression of all this stuff, five years ago versus five years before that versus five years before that, you know, we are in such a different spot. Oh, for I'm sure. I'm sure that this stuff will get there. I just don't think it's there yet. All right, dude. Ten you know, years. Ten years from now, where are we going to be? Like, what, oh, are your, what are your, like, out there predictions? There's going to be someone in 10 years or 20 years listening to this interview. I'm, I, it might be me. But sure, it might be. Yeah, I'm like, like, what did I, I say? I'm What's you got it right. Now? But where do you see um, cultivation 10 years from now? That you're you're on the pulse of these trends. We've done it at a handful of facilities already. You know, like I guess our employees wear scrubs, Crocs, hair nets, beard nets. You know, like sort of that pharmaceutical aspect. You know, where you're chasing like the absolute clean, you know, the cleanest facility you can have, like good manufacturing practice, mm-hmm. like that kind of like that GMP mentality. Yeah. Um. Sort of just like the idea to be how can we be this consistent every time. Um, so that's really what everybody's chasing. I just think it's hard with something, and again, they already do it in other ag worlds. You know, uh, you know, tomatoes, peppers, cucumber, melons, whatever, potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just got to tour a three hundred and sixty acre potato farm. Um, the gentleman Whoa. also had two. Oh, dude, he has a tissue culture lab. It's incredible. He has. He just put up two hundred and forty acres of hemp for his first run. Was he Isn't running, like, or was he running? Was he running those taters? I was yeah. say, is he is he growing potatoes for McDonald's or Lay or Freedom? Yeah, there's Lay? a couple like, of different big companies that they're yeah. working for. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, basically his 240 acres of hemp that he just put up blows away any Holy hemp project shit. I have ever seen. Oh, can you a, tell me the the general region or state or? Oh, uh, Southern Colorado. Yeah, just okay. Pasolita. Okay. Um, yeah, it's beautiful property. And I would again, love to film that. Uh, we can get you down there like basically these guys you know they have an agronomist fly over in a plane every day you know every couple days they basically alter their irrigation schedule everything's on big pivots so this arm just slides oh my god it takes them about 48 hours from start to finish to water um they sort of develop their own sort of spacing sequence you know Mm -hmm. with specific genetics that they found somebody they wanted to work with are we still talking potatoes or hemp now we're on hemp but he does it all with the potatoes we're on hemp now yeah okay um, but, you know, and, like, the wildest thing is, like, you know, this gentleman's been farming his property for 40-ish years. It was his family's, pro- you know, family farm kind of thing. He took yeah. it over. He's running this 600 acres with about eight employees. 600 acres with eight employees. Is that eight employees managing the crop? Like, that's pretty much the whole time until harvest. Wow. So we're hopefully about to design him. You know, now he wants to get into the cannabis space kind of thing. Um, so he has a bunch of big buildings on property. You know, he has basically an old 15,000 square foot. When I say old, it's about 15, 20 years old. Okay. Um, but it's a potato storage building. You know, so it's this big building. Oh so um, it's got really interesting sort of engineering mechanics behind it. Um, when you have potatoes stacked 16 feet tall and like how much air you need to move through it yep. to keep it from like rotting essentially, like cold air. They're so thinking plenums, similar to how to yeah. how to cure and store cannabis. Yeah, but even just like the, the capabilities of what the refrigerant system in this building is like nothing any of us have ever worked in before. Wow. Just because they have to move air across 16 foot tall piles of potatoes that are hundreds I of feet I love long. that it's a two-way street. You're learning but, from the potato industry and bringing that back into your cannabis grows and vice versa. I do it everywhere, man. Like it's phenomenal. <laughs> anybody, um, you know, like I think I'm good. Um, there's so much to learn. Like, you know, I'm calm. It's like one of those things, you know, you go skiing and you're like, 
I'll get down. You know, there's, always, <laughs> there's somebody who's better than you that you're yeah. like, oh, wow, he did that. I'm gonna there's always that. some little kid whizzing by. Yeah, but I guess that's how I look at it is, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit, you know, about sort of being proud to be in this sort of circle of growers across the country that yeah. everybody sort of just trades everything together because, you mm. know, we're not competing. We're, you know, 100,000 or different states, different time zones. So, like, we are trying just to make each other better so like you know yeah. wh- whoever can teach me like please and like we were talking about before how many different facilities you walk through even the ones you walk in here and you're like <laughs> you know you're like dude i can see the mold hanging from your seat whatever you oh know like you walk gosh. into these horror yeah. stories maybe hopefully you get one takeaway from there that you get to take home and you're like i'm going to adapt this to my facility my garden like how you know so even those horror stories we're going to take our last break here Jarrett. when we get back we're going to dive into those horror stories. I want to okay. hear, start thinking of your, your number one top horror story. We'll dive right yeah. into it. Sure. Did you know that when you buy a Quest IQ series product, they actually have a dedicated team that comes out to your facility, installs the equipment, commissions the equipment, runs an initial checklist to make sure everything is working properly and that's actually where your warranty starts they have a pretty incredible team you might know quest as an environmental control company but they actually understand lighting technology and how everything works symbiotically together to control your garden you can check out this product line amongst all their other awesome dhus and products right here at growershouse.com back to the interview all right, so we are back from the final break, and you were about to dive into some horror stories that you've seen on the consulting side, or maybe that you just heard about. Sure. Um, I, I want to hear, you know, that that top story from your side. I guess maybe there's two sides of it. One is like yeah. a grower, and then one is like as just like the overall. Um, like I said, we have an engineering staff that is top notch. Um, we. One of the really, I guess, great parts of that is uh, my engineers, I get to pair them with the sort of whatever vendors, engineers that we're working with. So kind of get whatever equipment we're sourcing and picking out for somebody. We have sort of both sides engineers discussing these plans, these projects, Mm -hmm. putting all the specs together. Um, So you're sort of like industry best practice, if you will, with this gear. Um, Yeah, so when you design a 100,000 square foot facility and you're working with some... I guess the biggest one is probably, de- you know, this company um, had these really high-end dehumidifiers that were supposed to do this, this, and this. Um, we build out this spot. Everything starts, you know, facility gets on, turned on. We pass all inspections. Facilities on, plants are in. Lights go off, and the dehumidifiers wouldn't work. And that's really when you need them to save you. Oh, so this shit. couple hundred thousand square foot facility, you know, where these engineers had uh, this dehumidifier um company you know hvac company said everything was going to work this way this way this way and in fact none of it did oh Um, no total crop loss or what no total crop loss like um we're able to get you know dive in like you know full team everybody dive in to solve this together so we were able to sort of solve it but you know it's like millions of dollars yeah (laughs) you know and like so years of work and everything you have planned all of a sudden what went wrong they, they, you know, I'm not going to be able to say it and as technical correct as like one of my engineers, but basically lights would go off and the dehumidifiers would turn off as well. They huh. wouldn't run in the dark. You know, that's like the most simple way to say it. Yeah. But, you know, like that's what was happening. But like, you know, you have 100 light rooms, um, so you know there's quite a bit of moisture in that air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lights go off and that's when you need these dehumidifiers to really sort of keep you balanced. You don't have any lights. For sure. Yeah. You know. um, so yeah, lights would go off and the dehues would turn off too. <laughs> so luckily, we was able to sort of solve it quick enough. But you know, that's just so much money and so much time and mm-hmm. planning. Um, you know, you have a brand new something built out. Now you're cutting new holes in the roof again. And just you know, it just throws the schedule off. It throws everybody's confidence off. It throws your rhythm off. Like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So and what about your greatest success story? Let's say you you come into a a new grow or maybe a, a grow that's been going on for a while that needed your help and you just completely exceeded expectations. I mean, 
sort of, I guess, maybe with my teaching background, um, you know, I was a teacher before I did all this, <laughs> social, middle school and high school social studies. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, so you look at this as like, like my boss will say it all the time, you know, we're basically training ourselves out of a spot. Mm. Um, so when you sort of come into a new spot, um, especially if it's a new staff, a new facility, and some of these people in these states have never seen a plant, they've never had somebody They've just, you know, it's never been legal, so they've never seen any of it. Right. Um, so basically, you take somebody who's brand new, and, you know, you're like six months down the road, you're like, you don't even need me here anymore. You know, not that they know everything, but they don't need your help to run whatever sort of section they're in charge of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's happened. You know, it's sort of joke, like, you know, I train weapons, <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Um, you know, you figure out real quick who really is, like, living for this and, like, you know, who just sort of wants to hang out and say they work at a weed grow. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, just finding those people that, like, kind of love it as much as you do. Um, you know, they're willing to, you know, we always joke, like, you know, don't let me get here before you, and you probably shouldn't leave before I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of these people truly try to beat you to the grow in the morning just because they know that they get to say they beat you. <laughs> you know, we're usually first ones in, last ones to leave always. Um, yeah, that's what it takes kind of thing. So when you find somebody that's going to, like, give it, uh, everything extra they go home and do their homework at night and they're reading and they come in with notes that they've taken um you know just to ask questions so just sort of i don't know my the most rewarding parts for me well like i guess one everybody wants to show off with real high-end produce you know like mm-hmm. you let your sort of product speak for itself that's um, right yes yeah, so when you have that crop you're really proud of you know like there's no other feeling like that you know, when you have crops that don't work out as planned, which happens the time time. Anybody who says it doesn't, like, whatever, they don't really grow. <laughs> you know, all of us have flooded rooms, left something on, off, or whatever. You know, you have your failures. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you walk around with, like, the cloud above your head because it, like, hurts. You know, like, that's pride. and you know, It's part you, of your ego. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, um, when you're, you know, I also say even, too, like, your garden kind of is a reflection of you you know like Mm. when things are good everything's got an extra shoulder shake because you're walking you know it's like a clean Um, home or clean car like yeah it's reflection you know you're out partying every night you know that kind of thing or you think somebody else is going to take care of this like it shows you know like you walk in you're like there's leaf on the table like you guys pruned yesterday you didn't throw your trash away like that's criminal you know in my world kind of thing you know like you don't leave a mess um, you know, like that kind of thing, you know, where like mm-hmm. you walk in and you saw, you know, you, you know, you watch somebody transplant that you showed them how to do it. And then you see over there, like the next person down the table, the person you've been working, you know, ideally everybody's equally as good, but like you watch the person that really wants to, every plant is buried the same depth into the pot, you know, that kind of thing. They're all, you know, I guess really, I guess maybe the best way to say is if I was ever interviewing somebody, I would have them take a tray of clones for me. Um, and, you know, is every plant the same height? Have you cut each leaf the same way? Are they all stuck the exact same way? Like creating that muscle memory for all mm-hmm. of it. Um, That's a great being, test. You know, basically how, what, you know, my tray of clones, like it's a flat top of tolerance right there. They all should be the same. They're stuck in the same order every time, the same depth, <laughs> you know, trimmed up the same way. The same way. Clonex <laughs> rooting gel. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, like it's one of those, it's muscle memory. You know, you should be able to do it yeah. with your eyes closed should be able to have six conversations at the same time you're taking a tray of clones and it'll look the same every time yeah um so you know so when you get when you see somebody pick that up you know that's that rewarding part you're like all right you're gonna be a threat like go get them you know so that's probably the you know where you kind of you're like all right it worked you mentioned your background in teaching can you tell me a little bit about that are you <laughs> are you using a lot of your skill sets that you learned and uh had in the classroom yeah, you know, um, I think the biggest thing is, again, like we were sort of just talking about the rewarding part, you know, a second ago, whether somebody was a server or a bartender, somebody's an electrician, you know, one of my buddy's wife's used to, uh, she was a baker, she made cupcakes, and I always wanted to hire her, just because, mm-hmm. you know, her cupcakes are perfect, and everyone is exactly the same, so you, she's somebody you could train um, to be really good in the garden. Yeah, so anybody who's going to be good for you in your garden, um, they were good at something else first. And then sort of how do we take whatever that language is, you know, that we have in common. Like I said, anybody who's in their cars or motorcycles, that's what we'll talk in. Um, anybody who wants to talk about being a line cook or a chef or a bartender, you know, because I was a bartender for like a decade too, um, we'll talk about, you know, and that kind of thing. So whatever somebody was good at first, 
we'll take that language and that's how we're going to talk plants and we're going to talk process and all of it um and you know just to achieve your goals and it's like truly you know the same thing as writing lesson plans like we got to get this done today do we complete this objective do we you know like that kind mm -hmm. of thing check 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 do we go down the list um your sort of daily lesson plans weekly lesson plans it's the same thing as the schedule in the garden kind did just, you ever expect when you had your first year as a teacher did you ever expect you'd be sitting here today I don't know. Um, I certainly did my first year of teaching, and I guess, you know, you couldn't sleep at night. Who's not gotten fed? Whose parents are hit? Like, the mm. chaos of being a teacher. Um, I also, so basically, I finished my first year of teaching, and on, like, that Friday that they had a happy hour for everybody's first year, you know, I went home and hung up eight more lights <laughs> kind of thing, you know. So you were um, growing the whole time. No, I stopped growing to be a teacher oh, kind of thing. Oh, stopped growing. I, so that was, like, the year I took off out of the, you know, over the last decade plus. That was, like, the one time I didn't have a garden um, was when wow. I was teaching. So that last day, <laughs> I went and hung up eight lights in a buddy's garage. Um, and then I started working at Way to Grow that, you know, that was a Friday. And then I think I started working at Way to Grow that Monday. Mm. Um, and you're like, you know, teaching's awesome. You know, my parents were teachers. My dad's a principal. My dad's a teacher. He, yeah. he actually just retired. My dad finally retired as well, like 40, 47 years or something yeah. like that. Mad um, respect. Yeah, you know, truly. Mad respect to them I, and all uh, the teachers out there. Yes, you know underappreciated underpaid under oh, for sure. underloved in every way yeah um so but i don't know i went and worked at way to grow and i basically made the same money i could take a couple bong rips before work and then <laughs> sit there and figure out how to grow the best weed i could yeah. so uh, that you know did my one year of teaching and then i went right into work i wanted to, you know when i started working there i wanted to be able to pick up any bottle or any product read the ingredients and tell you exactly what it did and, you know still to this day you know you get a bunch of growers around the circle and everybody's girlfriend or wife's probably like, do you guys talk about something else? Because it's just constant trading yeah. products, knowledge, all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. I think teaching certainly has helped with where I'm at. The idea of solving problems instead of making them, like mm -hmm. that kind of mentality is, uh, of course, you know, stuff like things happen. Like how quickly do we take that idea of how to solve, you know, one, how quickly do we process to solve without freaking out? And then two, how do you take that idea from your head and then put it into process? Mm. So I think sort of the teaching background, um, as well as being a bartender too, you know, high volume bars, you know, just like, again, it's just, you know, everything's happening so fast. You need to think that fast and you need to not freak out. So between, And you can apply that same, you know, neural connections and way of thinking and processing yeah. to the cannabis industry inside you know, a farm or dispensary, et cetera. You know, just one of those, if stuff is going to happen, how quickly do we solve it? Yeah. And like, how quickly do you, like, you know, again, like, I have a compliance team, which makes stuff, you know, because I get to have the, you know, we go back and forth and create process, or, like, you know, and we get so excited, like, quality management checks, you know, so when things get, things get weird sometimes, you know, if there's a yellow piece of paper on the wall, that means you do it the way that the yellow piece of paper says instead of the normal SOP until that yellow piece of paper comes down. You know, and then that means everybody knows we're going back to the regular way because we've solved mm. whatever hiccup we had. Um, so again, it's just you know, just a, you got to just be a, you got to be pliable. You got to be able to adapt. Um, all of this stuff's happened before, pretty much. So it's just like pull from past knowledge. You know, Words of wisdom. Solve. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're traveling all over the country. You're going to emerging markets. You're going back into well-established markets. You're helping new growers investors enter the industry all the way to advanced growers what's the next five years for your role look like and where does where do you see next big crop heading more processing facilities more pharmaceutical transitioning companies into the industry um i see so basically next big crop we finally purchased um the law we're a publicly traded company um, so the laws changed January 1st this past year, you know, almost a year ago now. So we finally, um, General Canvas purchased uh, a really beautiful property in Boulder, um, Colorado, so 7-5 Farms. So we're now uh, um, like a consulting group on the next big crop side. General Cannabis kind of has the 7-5 Farms side of it. Congrats. Um, Sorry, they're trying to pull me into a meeting. I'm like, not tell them out. you're in an interview. <laughs> I mean, I'm busy, bro. I'm busy, um, bro. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> um, so basically, Seven Five Farms is our sort of our own passion project. Um, it's a 
beautiful greenhouse in Boulder. <laughs> it's one of the very few greenhouses in Boulder, Boulder proper, essentially. Mm. Um, so we're doing some facility upgrades ourselves. Nothing major, you know, it had a killer sort of skeleton to it to start, and like the bones of it are awesome. Um, we're sort of now bringing some of our principles and practice in. Um, we're gonna do some lighting upgrades, you know, whatever, some others, just technical stuff, you know, there's a gravel floor, we're gonna put in, uh, you know, concrete, drains, rolling benches, that kind of stuff. Just, you know, things that five, six, seven years ago when it was built um, weren't normal, now are. I you know, could so only gonna... imagine the race car owned by a mechanic. Yeah, you know. You guys are going to have a well-oiled machine. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's, and that's the mentality. Part of it, too, is like even use it possibly as like a training facility for other clients. You know, when we're going to build oh, them something cool. out, they get to come in, sort of see our work. Ideally, it looks like it's a magazine cover and like beautiful. You know, so they walk in and go, all right, I want what you have. Um, yeah, so there's 7.5 in Boulder. Um, we're kind of always shopping um, for the next one as well. Ideally, it lands in Denver, just so we'll sort of have both major cities. So you want to own the Colorado market. Like that That's going to be like your HQ. If clients are coming in from around the world, you want to walk them through your facility and say, we can do this for you. And then yes. at the end of the day, still provide medicine and, and product to the, the end market. Yeah, you know, we, <laughs> we joke that we grow the second best weed. Um, we'll let somebody else fight over the first best we, you know, like that kind of thing. Rare dankness. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Somebody else is the best. We were second, you know, kind of thing. Um, and again, like we were sort of saying before, like, you know, there's a whole lot of pride in it. There's other growers out there that are better than me. You, you, you know, good luck saying you're the best. Like, come on. You know, like that's it's just hard not, to, it's not yeah. real. Um, I think it's hard I'm to very, quantify. Yeah. I think I'm talented. I know how to connect a whole lot of dots. There's other people that are you know just specialist in degrees and phds you know like that kind of thing um but you know they're coming yeah you know we put together i don't know i think like myself our team you know, we put together something that's uh easy to be proud of like that yeah. kind of thing um so we'll have our spot in boulder hopefully we'll have our spot in denver um who knows where else kind of thing like you know all of us we used to run a spot up in glenwood springs um that's maybe my favorite facility that we've ever worked at you know, it's like right on the river. It is like textbook, oh, it's beautiful. gorgeous, you know, best day ever. Gertman, love them. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, that facility is just like, it's truly like this stunning greenhouse on the side of a river in Glenwood Springs. Wow. Um, so, I don't know, like, I just think it's cool. I've gotten to go play with lots of big toys. Um, mm -hmm. And in the, you know, sort of like the four or five years sort of in this sort of legal cultivation market, you know, I've got to play with more different big facilities, you know, Wadsworth, um, you know, Argus, whatever, Trollmaster, even a bunch of them at this point, you know, kind of different lights, different double-tiered racks, greenhouses, indoor. Um, so I just feel pretty lucky to have sort of gotten to play with all these big and different toys in a much shorter time. Um, On OPM. Yeah. yeah. Money. <laughs> you know, so now we finally have our own. Um, and, you know, so just like you said, version 1.0, 2 .0, 3 .0, 4.0, you know, all of these have happened, like, really um, – it just keeps happening. So yeah. now that we have our own, it's like, okay, um, sort of prove it and go make it happen the way that you say it should happen. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the exciting part for right now. Well, count us in. Um, I know we have a lot of mutual friends, Cameron being one of them. Yes. Uh, you spent time in Thailand, so we all three have a love for Thai so food. I think, uh, yeah. So we will um, we will go up there and film um, some of your facilities. The one by the river sounds pretty amazing. That's stunning. Grab some there. Thai food, film some deep roots, film some can of cribs. We'll have some fun. Yeah, we're pretty good at having fun as well. Um, <laughs> practice it's part of the consultant <laughs> package. Yeah, it's one of those practice for a while. Um, you know, again, uh, sort of work hard, play hard, all that good stuff. You know. Oh yes. <laughs> you know, and uh, I guess like I said, you know, there's, I don't know. I just look at this as like I can't believe this is my job. I don't know right? what else I would do if I wasn't doing this at this point. Um, so grateful. Yeah. Truly. I don't know, even like this right now, like, you know, this is work. How yeah. cool is that this is my job right now is to sort of right? sit here and make friends. Look at us. Be cool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's awesome. Note to editor, include the Paul Rudd Hot yeah. Ones meme. <laughs> right yeah. Look yeah. at us. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. But, yeah, things are – I just also, you know, I feel like one of my sort of other standards is like, you know, like, be like, how are you doing today? And you're like, I'm half crazy, half awesome. 
That's yeah. pretty standard response. <laughs> yeah, forgetting to do what we do. So, Well, what a way to end the interview. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jared. Thank you as well. Is there anyone or anything that you'd like to shine a light on before we head out for the day? Just we covered good. a lot. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Hi. Uh, I guess one of the, you know, basically we, uh, I think myself, you know, anybody sort of in our group of friends or we work together, sort of know that we, or myself, you know, sort of whatever, you want to say like artist, whatever, diva at times, you know, everybody sort of wants a lot. Everybody expects a lot. You know, we give a lot and just sort of uh, just kind of be good to each other and mm-hmm. it should work out. Yeah. Be kind. Yeah, it's that easy. Hey, thanks for joining me today on the Cannon Cribs podcast. Hope you learned something new. If you haven't checked out our two other series, Cannon Cribs and Deep Roots, head on over to our YouTube channel today. We also have a growers community called Growers Network. At the time of this recording, we have 14,000 members all around the world. You can join for free today at growersnetwork.org. Huge shout out to Quest for making this episode possible and helping growers control their environment. I'll see you on the next interview.